Welcome to the Gaining Momentum Podcast with your hosts, Abby and Megan. This is the podcast where we try our best to parent our kids for the world we want them to grow up in and the world we live in now. Welcome back, Gaining Momentum family. We're so happy to be here. Abby, it is lovely to see your face. I was going to say, see your voice and hear your face. (laughs) Flip that, flip it and reverse it. It's lovely to see you. Yeah. Happy New Year, Meg. Happy 2022. Happy 2022. Can you even believe 2022 is upon us? Sure. Why not? I feel like I believe just about anything these days. (laughs) Somebody, there was, I saw this like, uh, this is like the most annoying way to start a sentence, but I'm going to do it anyway. I saw this TikTok mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, uh, somebody was like showing their ID and the, you know how they do like the voiceovers on TikTok. And the person said, oh yeah, I can see it from here. It starts with a one. Cause like now we're officially in an era <laughs> whose birthday is that is like one nine where like, Pat, like anyone who's was born. Yeah. Anyway, I was like, that blew my mind somehow. Like, cause I very clearly remember the early aughts. Oh yeah. Very clearly. Um, but they're the, the, the years that shaped us. <laughs> so speaking of things that shaped us, how mm-hmm. did the holidays go? How have they shaped who you are in this moment in time? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking off air before we came on about like ups and downs, lots of ups and downs for sure. Uh, no, they've, they've been good. It's been really nice to get like time, a time off and have a break. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it's uh, obviously a wild time with the uh, the old Omicron creeping oh, into everyone's yeah. life. Um, certainly had to like make some adjustments. And I just like my kids like really despise each other right now. Mm-hmm. So that's been an challenge, ongoing challenge. Like they love each other, but it's like the most stereotypical dynamic of like, he's, t- he's touching me. He's crossed the, my <laughs> line on the side of the couch. And my littlest like actively trolls my older child right now. And like, mm-hmm. I'll, he's like sneaky about it and I'll like catch it. And I'm like, no wonder this other kid is frustrated and is like losing their ever loving mind with their brother. So that's yeah. been a challenge. Yeah. I feel yeah. you. It's just been, yeah, it's, it's been fun. It's been great to have the time together, but it's just, it's a change in all of our routines from what we're used to. And mm-hmm. it takes a second. And then, you know, Omicron's everywhere. I feel like I know so many people who mm-hmm. have COVID right now or who are yeah, just coming out of having COVID, like compared to any other point in the pandemic. I totally. feel like it's just in this past past month. I know more people who have, who have, who have COVID than like I did throughout the entire pandemic. I, I totally resonate with that. And it's like, is this it becoming end, endemic? Like, is this like it, it could, we could either, you know, it, it could put me in t- one of two directions. It could make me very like afraid and be like, what is going on? Like I, this is unimaginable because it's uh-huh. like normal, normalized now almost. Uh-huh. Um, or it's a relief because maybe it means like with Omicron, we're like in a different moment with like what it is like, you know, maybe, you know, it is more of just like common cold flu, whatever. Obviously it still has major implications on people's health. So it's just yeah. a weird moment. It's like, I don't know how to make, or are we just so desensitized that like, well, we don't know. know yet too, right? Omicron's only been around for like a month. I, I know. So like we Isn't still that wild? don't know. We don't know anything. And I feel we like every nothing. day we know a little more and somehow a little less. I, that's 
such a good way of putting it. It's like the more we know, the less we know. Yeah. Those NBC ads from the eighties and nineties, the more, you know, <laughs> they're Except not, for they're now not there's ready. like an addendum <laughs> Yeah, underneath. It's like, uh, this is all bullshit. Sorry. Yeah. Hold on. The more, you know, you know, nothing, <laughs> but uh, my son, um, said something the other day, just thinking, I was just thinking about how all the messaging has been communicated. And then you were talking about your kids having breakdowns in communication, getting frustrated with each other. And every once in a while, yep. my son will just like bust out these wild things where I'm like, what is happening in there? Are you just like an undercover philosopher? Because <laughs> he, so he said to me, and I wrote this down because I was like, I don't remember this. So out of nowhere, yeah. he's just like, it's really great that we have words. And I was like, what? Why? What? And he's like, it's really great that we have words so we can communicate. Words are the best way to communicate on the whole earth. That's amazing. I feel like that's like the start of like an incredible like sonnet or something. Right? Like, yeah, I was pretty taken back by that. So I was like, yeah, I'm glad he's already starting to realize like the importance of words and that words matter, yeah. like what you say to people matters. And just the that's... importance of like being mindful with your words, intentionality to draw it all back to the theme of this season. Yes, <laughs> totally. And that's like pretty profound for you as a writer to have yes. him reflect that. Like there's something like really juicy in there. Yeah. I it's love like clearly it. he's taken that in, like he's taken that messaging in based on like who you are and what you value and like what you do for a living. Yeah. That like extra resonates with him that like words are valuable. They yeah. matter. They not only psyched. communicate, but yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that was one of those proud parent moments. And then I had another proud parent moment because we watched Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone recently. Mm -hmm. And it was my son's first time. And oh, he took to it like a duck to water. Is that? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, what is that phrase? Speaking of words, I'm like, what a word. But yeah, he (laughs) loved it. And I was so excited because I got a subscription to Crave, Mm -hmm. which here in Canada is where we can get like HBO content and like Harry Potter movies basically (laughs) (laughs) and so I was like great free one week subscription let's go so he watched like Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone and since then he's been playing Harry Potter he loves Hermione and his thing is amazing like I like Hermione because she knows everything she knows more than anyone yeah she is truly actually the hero of the whole story but anyway continue (laughs) um and then of course of course the Harry Potter 20th anniversary movie reunion. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm glad that you brought up Harry Potter because I, w- I wanted to just like briefly unpack it a little bit. Cause we like you, mm-hmm. uh, well, my oldest has already read all of the series. So all mm-hmm. of the books, but my littlest hasn't had any exposure. So it was his first dive in and similar, like every chopstick is now a wand and yeah. like very into it. Um, especially the, the first two, which are much more sort of childlike and, um, kind of for their age group. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was like lots of like unpacking to do too, because, you know, we all know that Joe Rowling has let us down in a lot of ways, uh-huh. in, um, you know, handful of years with some really like transphobic perspectives. And it was like, you know, we had a discussion about this uh, maybe in last season. I can't remember when we did yes, about it was. Like, pro- problematic faves and can we yeah. continue to love the art and like reject the artist. Um, so we did, I, I'm, I'm like sort of not, yeah, with particularly with Harry Potter, I'm like, we've made a decision, like, we're still going to engage with Harry Potter, but we're going to be really frank about like JK Rowling and like mm-hmm. some of the things that she said and some of her perspectives. And 
you know, like the actors have been, from, particularly from the films, have been very outspoken about like trans rights and like rejecting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. her perspective. I mean, we've yeah. already had this conversation about J.K. Rowling in a previous episode. So like it gave us a chance to kind of go there also with our oldest. Like, so here's a situation where like this is a really important story and piece of pop culture and piece of art that our family really loves for these reasons. It's a story about outsiders. It's a story about um, light and dark and like, you know, like the who we are and that we're all capable of anything, but like friendship and love matter and all these pieces that are. Super yeah. Um, but um, like this person who created it has some bad ideas and yeah. this is what they were. And so, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm totally up for like debate on that. If other folks have taken other yeah, we you know, didn't talk about the, the JK of it all um, because I don't yeah, really he's know. Little still. He doesn't yeah. know, like he has no context. He has the books, but like he yeah. hasn't read the books. All he knows is that like he really likes the map that's in the yeah. first book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we didn't talk about that, but we do. I mean, like I love Daniel Radcliffe. I mean, so does everybody. But yeah, so totally. yeah, like I think I anticipate we'll probably focus, especially on the movies, more on the people in the movies um, yeah. as opposed to the author behind the books. Yeah, but totally. I do really love the way that um, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma totally. Watson, and Rupert Grint have like embraced and recognized and like breathed life into the world of Harry Potter, while yeah. also still rejecting um, the hateful messages of the person who created this world. Totally, and I think totally. they really um, they've handled that beautifully. Me too. And it's and I like that they're being outspoken about it, and that they're not just sort yeah. of hiding the hack behind the fact of like, oh, we don't want to bite the hand that feeds us or whatever. Yeah, like you can bite that hand while still acknowledging everything that it gave you. Yeah, exactly. That's like, that was that was a beautiful way of putting it. Who's a writer up in here? <laughs> um, yeah, I I had the exact same perspective, particularly with Daniel Radcliffe. Like, just he, I because his statement stands out for me. Like, he made a statement that was just very frankly like I I vehemently disagree with the, mm-hmm. her perspective. Um, regard and um, she's also provided me a lot in my world and my life and so yes. like it just like was a nice also opportunity to see that like folks can live in that tension as well yes and speaking um, of living in tension yeah and the, the things that have been provided because you know how we like you and I like to play a game of guessing celebrities net worth and yeah <laughs> and I think yeah. the Harry Potter kids like they're set for life and I think it's oh, yeah interesting the way that they've been able to sort of pick and choose what they do now because they don't have those financial concerns yeah but our episode today is more for the rest of us who yeah. do have financial yeah. concerns in our lives and don't have that Harry Potter money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We don't have that Hogwarts money coming in. No. So our episode today is on money and finances and how we can tackle them as a family. And we were so lucky to talk with uh, Vanessa from Mintworthy. Uh, Vanessa has been super generous uh, with our listeners and has offered a promo code for the Unblock Abundance program, which you'll hear her talk about but in the episode, the promo code will be available from January 17th to 28th. And you'll find that promo code in our show notes. So check our show notes for it. So let's get to it. We are really excited to welcome our guest today, Vanessa, for our episode on money and finances. Vanessa is the founder of Mintworthy, a personal finance company for women. Mintworthy's vision is to create a world where women live their most bold, fearless, and courageous lives and go after their dreams regardless of the size of their bank account. So in addition to being the founder of Mintworthy, Vanessa is a chartered professional accountant and master neurolinguistic programming practitioner. So a large part of the reason why we wanted to have Vanessa on Gaining Momentum is that Megan and I want to become more comfortable talking about money and finances and gather ideas on how to have these conversations with our friends, with our families, and especially with our children. 
So Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to have you here. We'd love to hear more and just start out by asking you to share a little bit more about Mintworthy and what prompted you to start Mintworthy. Yeah. So it was actually my own journey with money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why I started it and how I started it because I didn't have like a background in money and finances and what to do with my money. And so when I graduated university, Mm -hmm. started my career as an accountant, I thought I had made it right. Right. Accountant, (laughs) land your dream job, like all the things and all the things. Mm -hmm. And thought I was making good money and spent my money like I was making good money. <laughs> I love that framing. Right? <laughs> you know, it's all about what's yeah. in the mind. Yeah. Um, and so basically within about a year and a half of being in my career, I was in a bunch of debt. I couldn't hardly afford my rent. And I was like, whoa, this was not the life I envisioned. And everything mm-hmm. for me was just spending and living the lifestyle, right? You're an accountant now. You got to have the lifestyle that goes mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. And so I had this huge reality check and basically it bought me to realize that I had created this mess. Mm. And so if I could create it, I could also uncreate it. Mm-hmm. And so luckily for me, I got a money mentor and she took me under her wing and taught me all the things about personal finance. And it literally just became this passion. It was like, oh my gosh, everyone should know about this, like <laughs> how to create a budget, how to get mm-hmm. out of debt, how to spend wisely. And so it became this passion project, but I was also like implementing what I was learning. So at the time, you know, I was moving, I was living in a basement apartment, I'm sorry, a condo that I couldn't afford. Mm -hmm. And then I learned about, okay, you gotta like better manage your money, live below your means. Mm -hmm. I did the sacrifice thing and move into a basement apartment. And so I did all the changes, did all the changes. And within a couple of years, I was out of debt and I bought my first investment property. But in the journey, I was like so excited. So I was just sharing everything with the women in my circle. Mm -hmm. But what I realized was that they were holding the same limiting beliefs as I had. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were feeling insecure, guilt, shame around their finances. And so it started as a little passion project. Until I realized like, this is what I've meant to do. Like, mm-hmm. This is what my heart is calling me to do. And so I left my corporate job as a CPA and started at Mintworthy. And the whole journey of the company really has just been based on my own financial journey. Mm-hmm. It started for me of like learning the things of how to shift and manage your money and budget and get out of debt and all the jazz. But what I realized along the journey was that my mindset had such a huge impact in what I was creating in my financial life. Hmm. And so that's what kind of took me down this trajectory of how does our mind work? How are our money stories? We have a relationship Mm -hmm. with money. And so that's what took me down to the path of NLP and becoming a master NLP practitioner. So all of that now is what I've stuffed into Mintworthy (laughs) (laughs) because I've lived it. I've Mm -hmm. lived it, I've breathed it. And when my clients come to me and they tell me their money stories, I can relate. Mm-hmm. I can see how I also had been feeling that way. And so Mitworthy really is about helping women to uncover their money stories, really getting them to shift their money mindset for them to yes. see their own worth, for them yes. to know that they're worthy of financial abundance, of wealth, of all the things. And then on the same t- side of that is shifting their mindset, but giving them the tools to manage their money. Mm-hmm. You can't just shift the mindset. You still then have to figure out what do I do when I get paid? Yeah, totally. So Mitworthy is all about marrying your money mindset with your money management. 
Awesome. That's incredible. And congratulations because you're doing amazing. (laughs) Yeah, that is incredible. Just like to show you kind of the level that Megan and I are starting at. (laughs) So one buzz, like buzz phrase or buzzword we hear often is financial literacy. What does financial Mm -hmm. literacy mean? Yeah, great question. For me, that's just your financial knowledge is how well do Mm -hmm. you know how to make your money work or what to do with your money? And that's what literacy is. And sometimes I think like the word, the buzzword can feel overwhelming because there's so many pieces to personal finance, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's investing in itself is a whole big piece of the pie. Then how to save, then how to get out of debt, then how to budget. There's so, so much. But for me, financial literacy is, is, is not having this like guru knowledge. It's having the base knowledge of what to do with your finances. When you get paid, how do you take that paycheck and put it towards your family's financial needs and then also your family's future financial needs and also reducing the debt that you need to reduce? Like, how do you take that piece and Mm -hmm. segregate it to achieve your financial dreams? And for me, that's what financial literacy is. It's giving us the knowledge Mm -hmm. to know what to do with our money so that we can align that money with where we want to go. Mm -hmm. And even as you're talking there, like, you know, as you start talking about investment and when you're talking about all of those sections of the pie that our money needs to be able to um, be put in, I can feel myself like getting overwhelmed and like (laughs) I can feel that coming up. And it kind of makes me think like, why do you think that people, but women in particular, have that discomfort when it comes to starting to talk about money and finances? And yeah, hundred percent. It comes from like our childhood. Like Mm -hmm. just the fact of, and I mean, there's so many studies about this, but not just what happens in the home, but also what happens in society, right? The conversations to little boys are very different than the conversations to little girls. Mm -hmm. Like I was think I was reading a book one time and they're talking about like, you know, just on like a kid's like, you know, body wash bottle, like the, mm-hmm. the, the, the one for the little boys are like macho and like, you can do this. And the one for the little girl is like, oh, it's okay. Be calm. So just yeah. even those um, very first, I'll say societal and mm-hmm. what, what we get in, what becomes ingrained in us from society from the beginning mm-hmm. is that men, boys, they're good at, at math. They're good at investing. They're mm-hmm. good at mm-hmm. money and girls. Well, it's okay. It's not really a skill you really need to learn. Like just, you know, marry rich. And yeah. <laughs> so go, going back to your question, a lot of it, one is how our society has created this disconnect between women and money. Mm-hmm. And also it comes back to like past generations, right? Like women totally. didn't have a say, women mm-hmm. didn't work, women stayed home. And so mm-hmm. we're living in a day where we're still unraveling the past generational ways of being totally. that have shaped us as women and then you kind of go back into like childhood and in the family home as mm-hmm. women we learn a lot about our finances by looking at our mothers right mm-hmm. and right. how they showed up and what they did with their money oh, did they spend okay then we spend did they mm-hmm. like hoard their money because they were scared and lived in scarcity so we hoard right. our money and we save and you know live in scarcity so a lot of the shame, the guilt, all of that is really just ingrained in us. Mm. And that's why it's very hard for women to talk about money, for us to mm-hmm. be confident about money. And why we keep the shame block moving is because we don't have these conversations. Mm-hmm. We don't have these open platforms like what you're both doing here 
for us mm-hmm. to talk about it, for us to normalize that we're all confused and we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. And we think we should know better, but yeah. none of us know better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's that- so important too, because like, if we don't talk about it, we continue to not know better. And I feel like sometimes I have that feeling where I'm just like, I feel like everybody else knows and nobody knows, like, and I should know. So yeah. I guess this would be a stupid question. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Jen Sincero has a cool code about that. She's like, money and sex are the two things you're not supposed to talk about, but yet you're supposed mm-hmm. to know everything about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, totally. Yeah. How are we supposed to know we don't talk about it? Yes, right? exactly. Exactly. And that's super on brand for us because like part of what we try to do in terms of like, you know, the conversations we're having in parenthood are first of all, about that unlearning of the things that are, that we don't, that we want to let go of that are not working and not pushing us towards like, you know, equity and all those things that we, we are valuing. Um, But then, yeah, how to change the conversation moving forward with our own, in our own families. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Like it, it truly starts with us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we would want to, we want to start these conversations in our families and we want to keep having them and get some tools to be able to feel more comfortable and make it feel like it's less like of a whispered hush conversation mm-hmm. and more out in the open. So do you have any advice for us for having these conversations with our families and with our kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent is we, when you have to start. Yeah. And I always say the cool thing is with kids is like, they want to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Like they just want to learn. So mm-hmm. the earlier that you can get them involved in the family's finances, the better. And of course, it doesn't mean like you spread out and tell the kids everything. Oh, here's the family <laughs> debt. And, yeah. you know, that's not what I mean. But get them involved in, let's say, a family savings goal. Okay, we're mm, going to save yeah. for this vacation, this Disney vacation, right? Mm-hmm. You tell a kid that they are all on board, <laughs> but then you bring in the fun, right? You create a little thermometer. And every time that you Ooh, I like save that. towards it, you get the kids to participate in that. And so what that's actually teaching them also is that any big goals I need in life, I need to mm. work towards them and save towards them. Right. You're creating that, that savings mentality subconsciously. As opposed to the child growing up and thinking, oh, I want to take a $10,000 vacation. Let me swipe on a credit card. Right. So you're, you're mm-hmm. creating also this shift in their own money mindset to know how to be financially responsible. And then you're also teaching them the whole dynamics of saving, but how to allocate your money mm-hmm. towards the things that you want. And you're teaching them that we can have the things we want if we put our money towards them. So things mm-hmm. like that, 100%. I'm very big on making sure you create a separate like checking account for your kids. Mm. So that's their designated account. And when they need or want, (laughs) want a toy, (laughs) you're going to get them to use their card to purchase that. So you're creating this, 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 not just a healthy spending habit because they know, okay, like this is coming out of my account mommy and daddy's not paying for it. I'm financially mm-hmm. responsible. You're mm-hmm. teaching them from the beginning that this is what it means to have the things you want as opposed to them growing up and being like, oh, someone will take care of it. Either mm-hmm. mommy and daddy when we're older or the credit card company. Mm-hmm. Right. So little things mm-hmm. like that is how you get them involved and have the conversations and, and teach them what's happening. So you open up their, their bank account. And what I always tell my clients is you create you create the rules for them. And these mm-hmm. are, this is the thing with kids. If they're, you know, eight years and younger, they're still in their subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Right. So everything you're teaching them is getting literally ingrained at face value. 
So let's say you open a separate account. Mm -hmm. I always say this, any gifts, you know, birthday gifts, Christmas gifts, whatever cash they get, Mm -hmm. you teach them, okay, you've got a hundred dollars from grandma and grandpa. We're going to put it into your checking account, but 10% of that is going to your savings right away. Mm -hmm. And the rest, the $90, you can spend how you want to spend it. Mm -hmm. So that's also getting them into the habit and then they can see the money. Right. And you're, you're, it's going to be so crazy because they're so smart. Mm -hmm. that then they're going to start making wise financial decisions. So they'll be like, okay, I've got $90. Do I want to get one toy, two toy? You're going to start to see them create more of that financial decision-making when we think, oh, they're too young to make those decisions. So that's another great thing that you can do is get them involved, create their own account. Mm -hmm. One of my clients, actually, she, she kind of breaks this in twofold. Anytime her kids receive a gift, 10% goes to just a savings account. And then mm-hmm. another 10% goes to their emergent, their university fund. So they okay. know, yeah. okay, we're saving for university. Right. And then they know what's left. That's for me to spend. And you give them the card to go spend when they want to spend. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. I'm like rapidly writing things down and then I'm remembering, <laughs> oh, this is a podcast. We will have a record of the discussion uh, because so much of what you're saying um, is just like such, such gems of practice. Yes. I heard that you saw something cool happening with some parent or a parent. Um, tell me what was going on for our momentum shout out. Yes. So this week's momentum shout out, because as we were talking about in our intro, the omnipresent Omicron. <laughs> um, so I feel like everybody has been for a COVID test at least once over the holiday season, maybe more mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough to be somewhere where there wasn't such a backlog that they basically were like, yeah, peace, get out. So I was waiting for a COVID test and the place I was at wasn't necessarily the most organized. Like there was a line to get rapid tests, line to get the PCR test. And then when you went in the building, for whatever reason, the lines crisscrossed. So then, Mm. yeah, that is so confusing. (laughs) It was very confusing. So the woman in front of me was there with her child who was under five and ended up in the wrong line. And the person who was there wasn't very kind about it, like the staff oh, no. person helping. And yeah. I just really admired, uh, because obviously it's scary too. You're taking your kid there for COVID tests. It's yeah. cold. It's like, yeah, there's just yeah, like awful. a lot going on. It's Worst case season. scenario. Yeah. And I just love the way that she um, remained calm, was very like steadfast in getting the help that she needed for her daughter like she's a great advocate for her child while mm-hmm. also being respectful in the face of disrespect like it's like you know if she had told the person off I would have been like yup <laughs> but you know like she maintained her cool and yeah. she was just like you know gathering the information she needed getting to where she wanted to be but also being like we came here for this we need to leave with this because yeah my child is unwell and we need to be doing something so yeah shout out to that mom who put her kid first in the face of yeah. kind of, I don't know whatever compassionate words. lacking yes. empathy moment for sure well sh- and shout out to all the parents out there who've been going through that with their kids because you know it's not an easy time to have to go get a nose swab or gargle or whatever it is but that's great what good modeling for that kid too to keep it together My son right now is nine, my oldest, and he's been asking to open a bank account. Um, and so this is really like kind of hitting at a, at a good time. And it's like, we're not opposed to it by any means, but I've been sort of like, we've just sort of been neglectful because of time and life and whatever. But so yeah. are there just, che- are there like checking accounts that 
Like I remember being a kid and I think I had one that was like specifically for kids. Yeah, they have. So th- yeah. are those out there still? Yes. Yes. There okay. Are. Yeah. So definitely look at ones like that for sure. Okay. Yeah. And good to know. <laughs> yeah. Another cool thing that parents can do. And of course, this is what I advocate for, but I know it may not always be possible within the family's financial means. Mm-hmm. But one thing I'm very big on with my clients is your, your child tax benefit, whatever you're getting from mm-hmm. the government. Yeah. I'm very big on having my clients deposit that into the kid's account. Okay. And so that's not mommy and daddy's money. Un- of course, unless it's necessary to run the family's right. household. Right. But right. if it's not necessary, the best thing that you can do is deposit that money into the child's account. And then from the child's account, you pay for everything that's related to them. Clothes, shoes, mm-hmm. school supplies. Oh, that's brilliant. Then they also have their card. So when they want toys, right. they know, okay, I bought that. Right. And you get them to actually go and swipe. And so what that does, when we're looking at the family's finances, that mm-hmm. creates separation. That makes it easier to plan out for your kids. How are mm-hmm. we going to take care of, you know, clothes, you know, when things are back into things like, mm-hmm. you know, sports lessons and summer right. camps yeah. and all that jazz. That's one way for parents to separate and have some money for that, as opposed to putting this bigger burden on the family's finances. Yeah. And what a great tool for tracking, like what you yeah. are spending in that department mm-hmm. because you have it parceled out. And then the other thing it makes me think of, like, that's one way of putting money into that account. What are you, what's your perspective on allowances? Do you think mm-hmm. they're a good idea? Do you think it's a good way to kind of um, think about like what we earn and where it goes and all those pieces? What do you think about allowances? I think they're a great idea. Okay. I mean, I got one. <laughs> yeah, me too. Right? <laughs> yes. But what I really think it does too, is it it allows the kids to understand that this is how life works. Mm-hmm. That when you become an adult, you can't just chill out, sit on the couch and allow money to come. I mean, that'd be great. But that's not the real world. And when mm-hmm. we create this society, we were constantly giving to our kids and constantly giving and not teaching them that this is how life works. Mm-hmm. We create this, this sense of self-entitlement. Mm -hmm. And so by allowing our kids to see, okay, if you help out the household, you do this chore, you Mm -hmm. get X, they're putting this connection to, okay, this is how I contribute to my household, which Mm -hmm. is going to tell them this is also how I'm going to contribute to society when I'm older and then be compensated for that. So I'm very big on that. And then also going back to the whole, like having the account, then you're still teaching them how to actually manage their money. Okay, right. I help around the house, I get X, and now this is what I do with my money. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I have a four-year-old. And so we have just recently, in the past, I think, couple months, got him a piggy bank. And so that's like his initial savings account because we just had yes. like a like Ziploc bag full of change in the, yeah. <laughs> in the top of his closet. And we're like, this is like the right thing to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he, we've told him now that mm-hmm. he can just keep filling up his piggy bank and then yeah. once he hits five, when he wants to start getting toys for himself, then that's yeah. how he pays for it. But now I'm like, bank account. I I don't know why I didn't think of banks. <laughs> Doesn't have to be a Ziploc bag, Abby. There's institutions that can support this initiative. And the other crazy thing too, is that kids nowadays are not connected to paper money. Like my mm-hmm. best friend, her son, he was probably like three when this happened, three or four, um, but they went out to go grocery shopping and she had cash. 
and she gave the cashier cash and he's like mommy how, we're, like where's your card like he was so confused he's like what is this yeah like, did you take that from the monopoly box where did that come from exactly. so, do you think do you think that that like has skewed our understanding of money like 100%. the fact that that we it's not tangible like yes. i don't even use a card anymore i use my right. phone right <laughs> it's yeah i 100% definitely agree that it has it's disconnected us from money mm-hmm. and and disconnected us from seeing how much we've actually been spending like it's literally yeah. out of sight out of sight out of mind when you right. have a hundred dollars and you can see how it's going you're like oh shoot yeah, yeah i gotta curb that back but when it's like swipe 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 it's yeah. like what am i curbing like this is easy let me go again yeah <laughs> till you look at that bill and you're like yeah. what happened exactly. <laughs> Um, so I'm just going to throw in a question to what we're talking about, teaching our kids value of money and saving yeah. and things. Do you have any advice for paring down student debt? Ooh, mm. Good question. Great question. And let me say this first. I think there's a little too much, I, I want to say guilt, shame and all mm-hmm. that jazz around student debt. I think first we have to shift the mindset around it. I think people are just like, oh, I'm in student debt. I'm in student debt. Mm-hmm. But you have to realize what that debt has allowed you to do. Like that debt has given you the education that's now giving you the salary that you're making. Right. And Mm -hmm. so we have to have this more of a compassionate approach, gratitude approach towards student Mm -hmm. debt, because it has helped you make the money you're making. So you can't be excited and happy that you've got this amazing career and you're making this money and then express negative emotions and attitudes towards the thing that got you there. Mm -hmm. So like that's step number one is we have to release like all this negativity towards Mm it. Number two, from a practical perspective, it's not that much interest. Mm -hmm. So as long as you've got a plan, which most student debts, you have a plan of what you're going to pay every month, Mm -hmm. just keep paying it and it will eventually get off. I think what people do is they put so much stress around it and then they Mm -hmm. try to wiggle their way out of it. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, I'm going to put it on hold. I'm going to, oh, okay. The government let me put it on hold again. You're just delaying it, right? Like create your, not create your plan around it. You already have a plan of how much, or you already know how much you have to pay towards it. Actually put it in your budget and just stick Mm. towards it. And eventually Mm -hmm. it'll be gone. And then if you really are just like, I want to get out of it ASAP, pay -hmm. what you have to pay every month, put it in your budget. And then any additional cash you have, let's say, you know, a tax refund or a, a big gift for your birthday, like a cash gift then just put that towards the student debt and you'll get it down faster. Mm-hmm. But I think we just have to stop avoiding it and just right. pay what you have to pay. It's not a huge interest rate. It's not anything near to what people are paying on their interest rates on their credit card. Mm-hmm. So we have all this disdain towards our student debt, but then we're so happy to go wreck up our credit card. It makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah. Now that we're talking about debt, I'm sort of like, okay, that's the student debt piece. Yeah. But, but what about all that other kinds, kind of debt, whether it's line of credit or credit card, um, mortgage. like mortgage, which is like a whole other part of the conversation and part of the pie. What are some of your um, suggestions or tips and just sort of like mindset stuff around? Cause I know debt can feel like an elephant sitting on your chest. Yeah. Um, student debt aside, all that other kind of debt is real for people too. Like you just said, yeah. So what do you think, like, what are the best ways that folks can tackle that debt if they are finding it's, you know, it's impacting their life? Yeah. So first, and you mentioned mindset, because I'm going to start there. And then Abby, Mm -hmm. you mentioned mortgage. First things first, we got to shift the mindset. There are good uses and bad uses of debt. So a good use is any debt that creates an asset for you. 
Mm-hmm. So your student debt is creating an asset for you because you went to school to be able to get a career that's going to pay you more than, you know, a lower yeah. level career. Right. Right. Your mortgage is a good debt because you obviously have a property that's appreciating and is growing in value. Right. So when we look at debt, we have this, I'll say skewed mindset where we look at everything and we're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I'm in like whatever amount of debt and we include mm. the mortgage in it. First things first, you got to separate your bad debt from your good debt. Okay. Your mortgage, personally, don't stress about paying it off. One, mm-hmm. it's like the slowest interest rate possible. <laughs> Two, totally. you can leverage so much with having your property. Mm-hmm. If you've got okay. way more consumer debt, like credit cards, line of credit, all that jazz, focus on that. Like okay. You shouldn't be losing sleep over the mortgage of trying to pay that off. And okay. I think that's this old mentality that we've lived from of like, you're supposed to get a mortgage and pay it off as soon as possible. But that's such an old way of living. Like Mm -hmm. most millionaires have multiple properties with multiple mortgages on them and they're (laughs) sleeping fine at night. (laughs) Totally. So you have to understand the mindset that that frame of reference is coming from. It's coming from a a dated mindset in the past. Mm -hmm. Then going to the actual like bad debt, the consumer debt, like your credit card and your line of credit. That's not, that's not getting you anything. That's just got you some nice, sexy clothes, but (laughs) that hasn't appreciated, right? Yeah. Create a plan around it. I think that's the biggest thing. Most, not even most, hundred percent of my clients come to me in debt. And Mm -hmm. my question to them is one, how much debt do you have? They have no idea how much their total debt is. Okay. Like if I ask them, what's the total on each credit card? What's the interest rate on each credit card? They're like, I think it's this. I think it's, it's always, I think. So one, yeah. you've got to know what your debts are to yeah. create a plan. When my clients come to me, they have never created a debt repayment plan. Yeah. So my thing is like, well, if you want to get out of debt, where's the plan to get out of debt? I think what we, we think is like, okay, if I just like tackle at it, that's my plan and mm-hmm. eventually it'll disappear, but it's not. You have to have a concrete debt repayment plan. So if that's not on your radar right now, hundred percent, create your debt repayment plan, literally just list out your debts. You can either tackle the one with the highest interest rate first. That's the one. If you tackle that one, you're going to get out of debt faster and pay less interest. But if you're more of a person who's motivated by like quick wins, Mm -hmm. then tackle your debt with your lowest balance first. Ah. Mindset, doesn't matter. Again. It is. It's mindset. Like some yeah. people out there will tell you one debt repayment plan. Like it's basically one's a snowball and one's the avalanche approach. People out there will tell you that one's better than the other. I always say you choose the one that aligns with you the most because that's the one you're going to stick to. Right. Yes. That makes sense. It doesn't matter. Like whatever is going to get you the momentum and you know you're going to stick to it, then choose that one and stick to that one. But lay out your debts so that you're paying the most that you can to that top debt. And Mm -hmm. other debts, you're just going to pay slightly over the interest rate. Mm -hmm. And then once that big debt or that top debt is paid off, then that payment, you roll it into the next one, the next debt. And then you keep paying that one and roll it and you just keep rolling it. But if you have a plan and you actually have a budget Mm -hmm. that fits that debt repayment plan into your overall income, there's no way that you can't be debt free. Okay. And I'll say one more thing because I know I could be a chatty cat. <laughs> no, no, we love it. We're but, like just taking in every word. No, I'm like pretty much like everything. Don't. I'm like, so repeat that. Okay. Okay. Take notes, but I'm like, don't take notes. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to say this really, really quickly. Most people think that it's going to take them a long time to be debt free. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I recently created a debt repayment plan for a client and we put it and she had quite a lot of debt and we put everything together. And I'm like, if you just do this, this bare, this was the bare minimum. We fitted in her plan. She had like the, the income to fit it with all her budget items of all her monthly expenses. I'm like, if you just do this bare minimum, you'll be debt-free in four years. Wow. And she couldn't believe it. She was like, I'm almost like a hundred K in debt. And you're like four years. Like, mm-hmm. yes, that's the thing. We avoid our debt so much because we think mindset all the time. Mm-hmm. We think mm-hmm. it's going to take us forever. So yeah. we just avoid it. But if you create a plan and you realize, oh, it's going to take me four years. Who cares if it even takes you five years or six years, you have this end point and that creates a shift in your mindset. You're yeah. more connected to becoming debt-free and you're more likely to actually action the plan to be debt-free because you have a definitive date. Mm-hmm. Most Canadians are walking around without a date and the date is the date they put in their head thinking it's like 10, 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. It's never that long. It's never that long. That's so encouraging. Oh my god, That goodness. is really encouraging. <laughs> and I want to, we've talked a bit about like creating a plan. So I want to ask you about creating a monthly budget. And first of all, like, how do we start creating a budget? How can we make it a family affair? Ooh, okay. Love that question. Love me a budget, first of all. <laughs> um, so how do we start creating it and how do we make it a family affair? Okay, so let's talk about creating it. One of the fastest and easiest ways you can do is literally just pull your bank statements for the last three months. Mm-hmm. And then literally either online or you print them off, you just want to categorize each each transaction. So let's say you go through and you went to Tim Hortons. So you have another spreadsheet that has like eating out groceries, internet, mortgage rent across the top. Mm -hmm. And then you just put your transactions into the categories as you see them on your statement. Okay. Tim Hortons eating out uh, mortgage payment. Okay. Mortgage payment, internet, put it under that internet. Oh, I went to Tim Hortons again, put it under eating out. So do this for the last three months, and then you're going to get a total of how much you've spent in all of those categories for the three months. Mm -hmm. So that's your total of what you spent on, let's say, eating out for three months. Divide all those categories by three. Mm -hmm. That's going to tell you how much you spent on average in each of those categories. That becomes the basis of your budget. So now you have, here's how I've been spending every month. Now, how do I want to spend? Right. And then you use this as your budget. So let's say you were spending on average $500 a month on eating out. Mm-hmm. Now you create your budget. Do we want to keep doing that? Do we want to do more? Do we want to do less? What's the happy medium? Okay. 400 bucks. Then mm-hmm. you do that. Okay. That's my budget. 400. Then you do each line to figure out how much you want to spend towards each of your categories and then see how much money you have left and what's left technically needs to go to your debt repayments based on that debt repayment plan that we Mm -hmm. talked about and your savings and retirement goals. So if you don't have much left over, then you need to adjust. Mm -hmm. When people think of a budget, I think they only think about the monthly expenses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Forgetting that your debt repayment plan and your savings plan are part of your budget. I like to call it, at least what I call with my clients is your intentional money plan that includes your spending budget, includes your debt repayment plan, and it includes your savings plan. We love that because like we've had a theme sort of over this season of the podcast around intentionality. So if you both, if you saw us both just like perk up, we're like, that's (laughs) perfect thematically. Um, It really fits with how we've been talking about a lot of other stuff in our lives and in our family lives and our parenting lives. Um, So that's really beautifully worded um, and exciting. (laughs) And now it'll stick in my head too, which is great. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah.
were talking so much about debt. And yeah. do you think that it is possible for most folks to, if, if there is like that debt repayment plan to also be thinking about intentionality around savings? Cause I get overwhelmed by that. Sometimes I'm like, can I be paying off debts while also right. be like, it's just the shavings pieces of yeah. that um, income away to all these different directions. Yes. Like, w- what do you think? How, how can yeah. we think about that? hundred percent. I believe in balance. Okay. That's what I teach. That's what I preach. You have to create balance. I think we sometimes think, okay, I've got the debt. I'm just going to put all my money towards debt. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yep. Bad idea. That is why you're still in debt. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't have savings Mm -hmm. and something comes up, what do we do? Right. Put it on the credit card, put it on the line of credit. So by not having savings, you're just perpetuating the debt cycle. So you always, always want to be saving at, at the same time that you're paying down debt. It doesn't mm. mean you're doing them at the same ratio. Right, right. Out of, let's say, the money you, you have left over, if debt's a priority, maybe 80% is going towards debt and 20% is going towards savings. Okay. And then that 20%, then you obviously have to separate that between the savings goals, your emergency fund, the vacation fund, the retirement mm-hmm. fund. And that's mm-hmm. where it comes to another layer of prioritization of what's important for the family. Yeah. Okay. And I just want to circle back to, to yeah. budgeting and making it a family affair. Yes. So mm-hmm. how you want to do that, have a weekly money date. Ooh. So this is what I live by. So if you want to know what me and hubby are doing at 9am on a Saturday, <laughs> it's a money day. <laughs> so we have our money dates every Saturday at 9am, but I encourage, well, literally my clients have to do this, like to the point where they have to send me like picture evidence every <laughs> week that they've had their money date. Oh, I love an accountability <laughs> check. Yeah, yes. this is very big for me. Yeah, But this is where you create financial stability, mm-hmm. financial awareness. Mm-hmm. You're more reactive versus, pro- sorry, more proactive versus mm-hmm. reactive. So on your weekly money date, what you'll do is literally update your budget. So here's the budget you set. Let's say the $400 eating out. Mm-hmm. You update your budget based on the spending for that week and previous week. So you're doing this, you know, every week for the month. So Mm -hmm. now let's say you updated your spending and now your eating out is at 300 bucks, Mm -hmm. but your budget's 400. So now, you know, okay, we've got a week left in the month. We've still got some wiggle room, or maybe we've got a day left in the month and we've got a lot of wiggle room, or maybe we're at the first of the month and Mm -hmm. now we only have a hundred dollars left for the entire month. So this is going to allow you to really see where your money is going and be more proactive. What people do is say, I created a budget, but I update my budget at the end of the month. And then mm-hmm. I see how I failed my budget. Yeah. The purpose of the budget is not to wait to the end of the month to update it. It's right. to yeah. update it every week. So you stay within the budget. So mm-hmm. during your weekly money dates, this is where you can get, obviously, parents will be doing this, but this is how you get the kids involved mm-hmm. is you okay. can bring them into this. So for instance, you can give them a few of those categories like uh, eating out or groceries, and you can be here like updating, you know, the, the budget and the spreadsheet, and then they could have a little like copy spreadsheet mm-hmm. where it just mm-hmm. has like, you know, some of the lines and they can be inserting those amounts for you as well. in like their little play spreadsheet, oh, and then you can that. just let them see those lines. Like, mm-hmm. here's what we spent on groceries. Here's what we spent on eating out. Here's what we spent on you know, the things that are related to, to the kids, like family entertainment, right. you know, movies, like all mm-hmm. those things. So they could see, oh, wow, like this is how much it costs 
to do the things that our family's doing. So you can kind of take a piece of that budget and allow them to update their lines in their spreadsheet and then see how the family's doing. Wow. So it's a great way to bring that. them in every week. Yeah. I love that. And it's, you're not saying necessarily, and just like, correct me if I'm misunderstanding, yeah. but they, they need to be privy to every line on that budget. Like, oh, here's where our mortgage is at or our insurance or whatever, <laughs> but it's about the lines on that budget that yeah. connect to what they think, what's important to them. You got right? it. And the things in their life that, that it resonate, right? You got it. Exactly. And if you don't want to have them involved in updating it, then you and your partner will update it. And then once you and your partner have your money date, then you can bring the kids in and, and mm-hmm. just show them those lines and say, here's where we're at, you know, this week versus our budget. Like, this is what we're doing. And you can get them into those decisions, right? Like, here's what we've got left for groceries, you know, for mm-hmm. the rest of the month or what we've got to allocate this week. So when we go grocery shopping, it becomes a game. When we go grocery shopping, oh, we I can't like spend more than $300. So then they're yeah. all in, right? When you go to grocery <laughs> shopping, they're like, no, 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 mom, you can't get the cookies. You can't, they're more yeah. into it. So you can also make it a game for them. They love, they love this stuff. We I love that. think that we can't include them and we truly can. We can find ways to include them. And I like that because now you're talking about habits too, right? Yes. Now we're at the grocery store. So now right. we're at the grocery store, we need to meal plan. So how do we like it, not just gamify, but also like, yeah, empower them to start thinking about those habits yeah. that they take into their future, right? Mm-hmm. Very true. And just having them in this weekly money date, like imagine if like that was ingrained in us, mm-hmm. a weekly money, it would mm-hmm. just, it would be a no brainer for us. So yes, mm-hmm. having them included when they're adults, this is just a note. This is what we do. We sit around right. the table on a weekend or a Friday night mm-hmm. and we talk money and we manage our money. Imagine the trajectory of our kids from that place. It's yeah, just going to be gift. crazy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I love that because yeah, the, as soon as you facilitate that language and that comfort with talking about money and then you can like, we won't necessarily get into this now, but then you move into the bigger topics of like pay equity and all of those things where mm-hmm. you're talking to people about how much they make because they're used yes. to talking about money. And now you're like, oh, hold up a second. This is not right. Exactly. I love that you just said that. It's like, how does it translate, not just in your household, but how um, kids are, their orientation to talking about money um, moving forward in all these different kinds of uh, places in their life. I love that you brought that up, Abby. Talking about like, maybe like our shopping habits out at the grocery store, but are there other like money habits that you encourage people to think about? I mean, you've, you've offered a ton already around like the budgeting and the different ways of thinking about debt. Um, but I guess I'm thinking more around like spending and in other parts of our life. That's like outside of that one part of the budget. Yeah. Like in the day to day. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, let me just think real quick. So outside, like, and how to bring kids into that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if we think outside of groceries, we did talk about like you know, buying kids toys. So definitely Mm -hmm. circling back to our conversation about like having Mm -hmm. that account for them and then using that when it comes to like spending on, let's say like clothing or things like that. I think it's going back to that same conversation. Like if you had a dedicated account for Mm -hmm. your kids, then that's where it's coming out of. And you you don't have to always give them the card to be like, Mm -hmm. okay, you're going to buy yourself a pair of jeans today, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but them seeing, you you don't have to have them, you know, always use the card, but then after you're done them seeing in their account, oh, okay. I had, you know, Uh, a thousand bucks before we went shopping today and I had to get a, you know, mommy bought me a bunch of things for school Mm -hmm. and now I have $800. They're able to clue in, okay, all of these things cost $800. So you don't always have to have them swipe the card. 
but allowing them to see the impact, mm-hmm. especially the numbers. Oh, I like mm-hmm. that impact. of the spending yeah. is going to shift their mindset so much because without us showing them that, they just think it's free. Yeah. They have, they have yeah. no concept, right? Yeah. Of like, how much did all my school supplies cost? Yes. They have yeah. no idea. They're like, hmm, it's free. Mommy got it yeah. for free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So showing them the impact is another way for them to be I involved and for them to understand what's going on as well. Yeah. Love oh, that. I think that's so smart. Just like a visual representation. Yeah. Again, yeah, because mm-hmm. it feels, especially with like all the swiping and things, it feels abstract. But yes, the constant, and especially because then it's normalizing looking at yeah. money and looking at exactly. your accounts and keeping up to date. You, yep. you're good, Vanessa. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Good at what you do. Good at what you do. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so we want to talk a little bit about philanthropy and donations mm. and how we can make work that yeah. into our financial planning yes. practices. Yeah. Okay. Very, I'm very big on this. So for me, like 10% of the business net income always goes to a charity at the end of every month. And for me, it's more of an abundance perspective, right? We mm-hmm. think, and I'm going to say this and some people may not resonate with it, but if you really understand this, you understand the energy of money. Mm-hmm. We think that our source of money is our job, our employer, or our business. Mm-hmm. When you do that, you're literally limiting your abundance. You mm-hmm. see it as finite. Mm. And what you're doing is also blocking abundance from other channels. Your job, your business is not your source of income. It's a channel okay. of income. And if you believe that's the only way money can come to you, that will be the only way that money can come to you. When you shift and say, this is a channel, then you mm. open yourself to other channels that you don't even know are ready to pour into you. So when we think of channels and source, channels are just where it's coming from, you know, your mm-hmm. job, your employer or client, whatever, mm-hmm. your source of money is above whatever and whoever you believe in. And so I truly believe that if abundance comes to me, I got to give it right back Ooh, I love because that. that is a way for me to open up to receive more. When you're so clenched on every mm. dollar you get mm-hmm. and you don't want to give, you're not, you know, philanthropic and you don't want to serve and all of that, you're literally closing your fist. That's pure scarcity. Mm, when you open yep. is when you can receive abundance. So going back to your question, very big on having this to be part of your budget. So whatever that percentage is for you or dollar mm-hmm. amount, whatever it is, make sure it's part of your budget yeah. and make sure you do it. I think sometimes mm-hmm. what happens mm-hmm. is we kind of like give ourselves a pass, right? It's mm-hmm. like, well, this month was really hard. It's okay if I X, Y, Z. For me, that's like a no-no. That's the biggest way that you're basically saying, I don't believe in my ability or my worth to receive additional abundance. Mm-hmm. So you have to always have this in your plan. I'm very big on this. Put it in your budget, stick to it just like you would a credit card payment. You have to make sure you include this because when you do, you're going to see your financial life expands way more than you could have even imagined. Yeah. And I, yeah, that's just, that's such a, for me, that really helps me shift my orientation to money because it's mm-hmm. like, I, as soon as you start talking about it as an energy and yeah. like, you know, there's like a spirituality to like what you're saying, even um, that that's very helpful for, I think folks that like are not you know, thinking, I feel blocked by thinking about money and like the traditional ways of thinking about money. So I love, I love that. I love that you have put that out there. Um, 
and thinking about that as we move into, you know, we come into the new year and we come into like people thinking about money and resolutions. If you were to offer, like just if things people are thinking about like making resolutions around their finances for the new mm -hmm. year, what would be sort of like the, the most realistic and most impactful and changes that people could make right away to, yeah. in order to meet their money goals? First things first, create a plan. Mm -hmm. Like, yes. I think okay. that's where we fail. We, you know, New Year's rings. What's your financial goals? I'm going to get out of debt and I'm going to save $10,000 yeah. <laughs> and we don't create a plan. Right. There's, There's no never plan. Yeah. a plan. And I always say this, like a dream without a plan is just a wish. So mm -hmm. you can spend all mm -hmm. the 22 wishing for your financial goals to, to become true. But unless you have a plan, they'll never become true. Mm -hmm. the, the numbers never lie. Like this is the accountant right. in me. You always would say this, the numbers <laughs> never lie, right? Yeah. <laughs> it balance, the numbers never lie. But the numbers never, never lie. And so if you have a plan that says, here's my income, here's my expenses, here's what's going to debt, here's what's going to savings. It doesn't mm -hmm. lie. If you follow that, you right. will achieve your goal. So number one, have a plan. Number two, I would say implement those weekly money dates. Even if, yeah, because it could be a rocky start, right? Even mm -hmm. if you create the plan and you're not sticking to it, at least mm -hmm. create the habit of checking in with your money every week. Mm -hmm. That is very yeah. least is going to have you more connected mm -hmm. to what's going on financially. And it's going to reconnect you to those goals. What happens is we set the goals in January and then we forget about them to September and then yes. November hits and we're like, mm -hmm. well, it's too late now. <laughs> so every yeah. week is going to allow you to more also energetically connect to your goals and then keeping them mm -hmm. like top of mind. So I definitely say that. So the right. plan, the money date, mm -hmm. um, and then create priorities. I think that's, that's it. Sometimes we yeah. think with our finances, we want to do any and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when creating our goals, sometimes we have goals that aren't actually aligned with us. The right. goals that society tells us, or yes. it would be nice if our parents, you know, our parents are like, oh, do this and do that. Yes. They're not actually our yeah. goals. So you have to yep. make sure when your goals align with you and your family's dreams, but prioritize. Yep. You're not going to be able to do everything. Mm -hmm. It's reality. Yep. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you achieve this one, this one or two, max three things for the year, what would those be? And just start there. Because if you just create one goal and you achieve it, it's going to shift mm -hmm. your mindset so much, but it's going to create the momentum you need versus having 10 goals and not achieving one of them. Right. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. And I just want to end the conversation kind of where we started with Mintworthy. Mm -hmm. What's on the horizon for Mintworthy in 2022? Yeah. I'm so excited for 2022. <laughs> I'm like, Let's do this. Um, so I've shifted my whole entire coaching offerings and the only way to work with me for 2022 is going to be in my newest group coaching program. Cool. So the program launches January and I'm so excited about it. It's called Unblock Abundance. Mm. But what it is, is really a lot of what we talked about here. It's one shifting our mindset towards money. So releasing that mm -hmm. guilt and shame around debt, actually understanding, you know, the real good uses of debt, releasing our money stories, our childhood Ooh, money stories, yeah. the ones we've put on ourselves, yep. but then also giving you the plan behind it. So in there, there yep. is the actual budget, like my actual formula to creating the budget, the debt repayment plan, the mm -hmm. savings plan, like all of the plans right. are in there. So that my clients can actually not just shift the mindset, but have a concrete plan yes. that aligns with their goals. And so 
that's really the biggest horizon for 2022 is the program Amazing. starts January and we're going to keep running it for probably forever. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. And I just love how holistic yes. that approach yeah. is. And I think that's what sets yes. you apart in a lot of ways based on what, I mean, I don't know a lot of financial yeah. planners or coaches, but that's, that's immediately the instinct I have is that that holistic kind of um, spirit about money and finances and budgeting um, is what makes you so unique. And also, you know, the focus on women and money as well. So we have a lot of folks in our community that would likely be interested in what you just offered. How can people sign up? How can they find you? Um, Where can our folks go to actually be a part of that group? Yeah, so everything's on my website. So my website is mintworthy.co, so .co. So you can go there and under programs and coaching, you'll literally find a link to unblock abundance. And yeah, everything's there about how the program works, my attractor formula, all of the jazz is there and you can sign up through there. That's amazing. Vanessa, thank you for your time today. Thank you for like, I don't know, Meg, how are you feeling? I feel way more comfortable now that I think of it as a mindset and not just like this hard, like, I don't know, weird, uncomfortable thing. I'm like, oh, it's just like a mindset. I can do mindsets. Yes. Yeah, I'm feeling excited. I never feel excited about money (laughs) and planning around money. And I'm thinking about what have my blocks been? And so much of what you said today has resonated. Um, I want to like scrap the rest of my day (laughs) and like get this, get the Excel going and really, but I think, yeah, it's kind of like, it's putting me in a more positive place for sure with it. Amazing. So thank you for that. So much gratitude. Thank you. it's time for us to pause for momentum. Money mindset. How do I give my kid an allowance, make a budget, talk to my kids about money, pay off my credit card, plan for my family's financial future? Shh, don't ask about that. It's not polite to talk about money. Don't air your dirty laundry, says one with no financial concerns to the person who is drowning in worry, despair, debt. Open it up, say it out loud, ask questions, get financially literate, Who has money? Who needs it? Why is it all so hush-hush? The secret is, it doesn't have to be. We can learn from each other. Gather information, get choices, because knowledge is power and not knowing is isolation that keeps us from rising, seizing the day, asking for help, and being in that money state of mind. We acknowledge that Gaining Momentum is recorded, produced, and edited on the unceded territory of the Selic Okanagan people and the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Anina, Oji Cree, Dena, and Dakota peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Gaining momentum. Gaining hosted making an app. With artwork by Catherine Catcheck. With music by Evan Dysart. Please check our show notes with each episode for more information on Catherine and Evan, plus how you can stay in touch with us through email, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you.